0: Welcome. Good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. I'm grateful that you are here. Obviously, this morning, it's a little bit of a different uh, format. It's what we call Vision Sunday. We hope today, more than anything in the world, that you'll hear from us, from our hearts, about what God has been doing in us and through us and what we are excited to be able to share with you guys today. We've got a lot of things this morning that we want to share with you, each of us. We're excited about doing that. I want to go ahead and I want to pray for us. I want to jump right in, okay? Lord, thank you that you are the God of all things and there is absolutely no one like you. We gather in here at this place at this time for this reason to herald you, to talk about you and to lift up how we can be more like you and how we can let other people know who you are. You did not put us here by accident. We are here by purpose, individually and corporately as a church. So we thank you for this family that we call Northwest Community Church. We pray that you would guide our time together and that you would use us for your Great name in Jesus' name, I pray, Amen. Amen. There are a couple of slogans that businesses have, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to ask you to help me. If we were to sit there and say, "What is the slogan for Nike?" What would you say? Just do it, right? And so, basically, the slogan tells you a little bit about sort of their brand, their their purpose, and what they're trying to do. If you look at Apple, I'm not sure you're going to know this, but I did not. But what is Apple? Oh, somebody has it. Think different. That's that's um, the Apple slogan or brand it tells you a little bit about who they are gives you an insight into who they are and if you have if you if I was to say Kentucky Fried Chicken or KFC in the south as we call it what what would you say it is? Okay finger looking good there you go you've got that one and then we would have Dunkin Donuts you would say America runs on uh, Dunkin and then if we were to sit there and say McDonald's you would say <laughs> well let me just make sure you say that McDonald's Their slogan is, I'm loving it, but here's what takes place. We have a company. We have a slogan. It tells us a little bit about who they are. If you were to take the church that has been created by the God of the universe, and you were to say, here is her slogan. This is what it is. Well, it's very clear in scripture that what it should say is, it is disciples who are making disciples, period. However, there's a little bit of a problem Because I'm not so sure that that's who we are generally and specifically. You see, what what took place in the 1980s is the church was growing and we were talking about, hey, how does the church become successful? What is the measure of success in the church? And a lot of things in the 80s, listen, I grew up in the 80s. 80s gave us great music and bad style. (laughs) Hashtag glamour shots. Okay, the mullet, hairspray. I mean, listen, that's the 80s but we have but in the church world in the church world what took place was hey listen we're going to define our success based on how many people can come events and programs good music and a good speaker that moved into the church plant explosion in the early 90s and it became very event driven and program driven and it became really away from what Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20, really tells us that the church is supposed to be about. We're not up here saying that we've solved everything. What we are up here today is to say we're absolutely convicted as pastors at Northwest Community Church that Matthew 28 has left it very clear to us as to what the church is to be about. And if there's anything that we come up here with today, it's that we are absolutely convinced that we wanna do what Christ said for us to do and what he told those early disciples, and again, what he's telling us today. And so when we take a look at Matthew 28, we see that there is a very clear distinction of what really the church should be about. We call it the Great Commission. If you've been in church for a long time, you've probably quoted this, maybe you've memorized this, maybe you've said this before, but what we're going to do in order to really unpack everything this morning is I'm gonna just sort of lay a biblical framework that, we'll, that we will build upon that will allow us to know sort of where we're going, who we are, and what we desire to be for, for the glory of God and for our good. So Matthew 28, basically, in verse 18, is really important before we get to 19 and 20. But verse 18 is really a statement. It is a statement about authority. Verse 18 says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So here's Jesus. Jesus gathers his 11 disciples. He is the resurrected Christ, he has scars in his hands and a scar on his side. He's the resurrected Christ. He appears on a mountain with 11 disciples, and he gathers them together, and he's going to tell them something that is radically going and should change the world. And before he goes in there to tell them that, he says, listen to me. I want you to know that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. If my son was to tell my daughter, hey, go clean your room, that would not go over too well. But if my son was to say to my daughter, dad said to go clean your room, she would do it absolutely right away. (laughs) Because of my authority. (laughs) But you understand where we're coming from here. We have the God of all creation who said, "Men, I can really go to 20,000 people, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take these 11, and I'm going to tell you something that I need you to dedicate your life to, and it will change the world. And I want you to know that I have the authority to say this and to ask you to do it. And that gives us great encouragement. Then he goes on into verse 19, and I want to really stop at the first two words. It says, go therefore. All authority's been given to me, then he tells us to go. Now listen, we need to understand that the go is not the point of the text. The go is an assumption. It is understood. You might have heard it or might have heard it said, as you are going. So what Jesus is encouraging these disciples with this command, he is saying that you're going to be going. That's not an option. I know that you're going to go. You're going to go here. You're going to go there. You're going to be all over the place. So that's not the point of the text. That is an assumption, and it's very, very important for us as disciples of Christ to really realize that God looks at us with this command that we're going to talk about, and he is saying, you are going to be going. Like, that's a part of your life. It's not something you're like, hmm, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. It is as you're going, neighborhoods, networks, and nations. It is the assumed part of the text. Then if we, if we jump over to the very next part where in verse 19 it says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, all that I have commanded you. The meaning and the mission of the church, plain and simple, is make disciples who make disciples. And it is very, very clear in here what, it, what we exist for and why, what we are to do. The mission of the church must always be seen through the lens of this verse. And so what would it look like, here's a little vision here, what would it look like for us at Northwest Community Church to, to devote ourselves to that command with everything that we've got? What would it look like? As I'm sitting here and I'm preparing, I can't imagine and can't, I can't help but think of lives that have been changed by God, and allowing us to have a front row seat to watching that take place. To people who are far from God come close to God. People who think they know God really come and experience it for the very first time. That right there fires me up. And here is the greatest, greatest, one of the greatest promises in all of the Bible. And it's located in verse 20. It says this, and behold, I am with you to the ends of the age. So listen, all authority's been given to me. I have the authority to tell you to do this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make disciples. And I want you to remember something. This is a partnership. You are not on your own. I am with you and I'm never going to leave you in this. I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna equip you, I'm gonna challenge you, and I'm gonna rebuke you. I have the authority to do and to do just that. And so that right there is when we take a look at the slogan of the church, it's a church. It's about making disciples. And the question that we have to ask is, if we're gonna go and we're going to do this, and this is something that we are gonna dedicate ourselves, everything that we have to, then, then, then what does this look like? What, is, what does it look like? Remember something. The word great commission, or the words great commission, the word commission, the first prefix is C-O-M, and it means with. It is not the great mission, it is the great commission, which is a demonstration by the God of the universe that is telling us that I'm with you. And when we do what he asks us to do, what does it look like? Now Adam's gonna share a little bit about that.
1: What a great segue for me. When you talk about the promise that Jesus leaves with his disciples of I will be with you, Um, There's a few other promises I want to share, but these kind of promises that we see Christ uh, leaving with his disciples and then for us uh, later on, of course, in scripture should give us great encouragement and great confidence as we do try to live out that commission, as we try to go forth and make disciples. So I want to share about just a little bit what would happen if we really are faithful to the command and the mission uh, that God sets before us. What What would it look like For our church, for the global church, and then in eternity, if we are faithful to that and we do live in light of that commission. So there's some promises that Jesus makes that are pretty powerful, of course, and I want to share two with you in one passage, and then we're going to look kind of to the future of eternity and what it's going to look like one day um, as we do live faithfully. But first, so there's a lot of things in our world, we can pretty much all agree that there's a lot of things that get us very distracted, Mm -hmm. right, whether it's... Sports, or you know, the latest show, or video games, or friends, or whatever it is. There's so many things that pull us in a lot of different directions. Let me just kind of give you some examples. And if this resonates with you, some of these resonate with me. Okay, so I'm not calling you out. Um, but here's one. Man, kickoff is at 12. That means I don't know if I can go to church because I got to be in my seat when the pregame show starts. So I'm not going to church because I can't miss that. Okay. Sounds silly, but that's a reality for some people. Okay, they just released all 30 seasons of The Simpsons on Netflix. So I gotta be sitting there as much as I can in front of that TV because I gotta watch all 30 seasons. I don't know. Let's let's go to the teenagers. Bro. New season of Fortnite just released. (laughs) Sleep. (laughs) What's that? Pass me that red bull. But there's things that like pull us in all different directions and we get so distracted. Too tired to read. So, I'll just do it tomorrow. Um, and then the Bible sits on the shelf, right? Well, I, I'll, I'll pray later, or I'll do this later, or nah, not right now. And, you know, my my neighbor is just a little too weird. So, when I go work in the yard, I'm going to put my headphones on so I don't have to talk to them because I just, yeah, you know. Um, so, we have these excuses and these distractions. And very quickly, that commission that Jesus leaves with us just takes a back seat to our. Apathy and to those distractions and our excuses, and so uh, we want to make sure that we are we are really pursuing with everything that we have, and not one being distracted, but not ourselves getting in the way of what God wants to accomplish. Listen to this: Matthew sixteen eighteen says, "And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." So you have two promises that are found there, and. First and foremost, we need to understand that these promises that that Christ makes here, these are going to come true with or without us. So this promise isn't dependent upon how we live. But I don't know about you guys, but I want to be a part of it. And I don't want to get in the way. Because God will accomplish his mission in this world uh, with or without us. So the first promise is that God will build his church. He says it very clearly right there. Jesus says, I will build my church. And um, that's a promise. That's something that we see happening. Maybe you look at some parts of the world and you're like, oh, man, it's kind of in decline there or whatever. But then there's other parts of the world where it is just rapid growth and the underground church movement and, like, house churches is just, like, wildfire spreading. So God is building his church. This is the, this is the big C church, right, the global church that he's promising to build. And um, it's unstoppable, That's the best part. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, to understand what that means, the gates of hell was understood in that time by the Jews as referring to death the gates of hell referred to death. So essentially, one one commentator, here's how he puts it. Um, He says, the idea would be that not even death, whether in its natural form or in times of great mass persecutions, would be able to destroy the church Christ is building. In spite of attacks from various quarters, the church will be invincible. And the reason for its invincibility is that it is built on Christ. So Jesus says, I am going to build my church. So the question that we need to wrestle with is individually and corporately, Are we, am I going to be a part of that or am I going to get in the way because of the distractions and the excuses? And then we have an amazing picture in Revelation that that really shows us the ultimate kind of end goal of what we're, what we're pursuing here. Look, at, Listen to Revelation 7, 9, and 10. It says, after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That gets me so pumped when I think about that picture and that experience that we're going to be a part of and you notice it says every nation All tribes, all people, all tongues. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everybody. Jesus shows no partiality, and neither should we. We should understand that it doesn't matter what somebody looks like, where they're from, what their social status is, what their financial situation is, whatever it is. Jesus shows no partiality. The gospel goes forth to everybody. Go and make disciples of all the nations, is how Matt started with Matthew 28, right? Go make disciples of all nations, Why? Because one day in Revelation, it says that every nation will be standing before the throne of God, praising him. So the promises that we see, if we live faithfully to what God has called us to do, and we really pursue that, and we get on mission with him, we will see God build his big C church. But I believe that we're going to see God build his church here, not in numbers, but with people that come to faith because of the way that you are living this out, um, like Matt said, in your networks, neighborhoods, and the nations. Um, so we wanna live that out, we wanna be on a mission, and we wanna see God do a tremendous work in and through us individually and as a church. I don't know about you guys, but I hear those things, and that's something I wanna be part of.
2: I think sometimes the challenge comes that we think, I wanna be part of that, but, but what is my next step? How, what does that look like? How do I take that command? Do I take that commission, that partnership? And, and what, what, is that, what do I do? What's my role? How am I part of that? And, and that's where we want to go today. We don't think it's enough to just tell you things that you've probably heard before, hopefully, um, but we want to actually get into what does it look like. And, and when we thought about this, and we've spent countless hours, days, weeks, months just praying and asking God to lead us of what does it look like to join God in the work that he's doing? What does it look like for us to be part of this thing that God's doing? What is this biblical foundation that that we are so grounded in, what does it look like to play that out? And last December, we shared with you um, our revised mission statement, which was kind of the start of this process, and we really, we wanted to share mission, vision, kind of all this together, but things just didn't quite go the way we planned and how that schedule worked out. But, so you've heard us talking about these words, passionately guiding generations through gospel transformation, one home at a time. Those words are what we're calling our mission statement. That's um, kind of answering the question, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're guiding generations. That's, that's all generations. Guiding is a, is a walking. It's an, it's an alongside process. Um, it's, a, it's not a, hey, everything we're doing is about preaching in the Sunday morning experience. It's the every part of life where we're coming alongside one another. Um, and guiding through or going through something, it's not an end destination. It's, it's a process, and we believe that, um, yes, there's a point of, of life where you come to and you say, man, I, am, I know Christ, I am saved, but there's also that process where Christ is continually transforming us, and that's why that key word of gospel transformation is important, that gospel transformation is the, what we're doing. How are we continually being changed by God's word? But um, I think there's another question, so that kind of answers for us the what are we doing. But I think there's also a question, and that's the where are we going or the what is the end goal? Because sometimes you have words like that, and it's like, wow, those are neat words, I think. I don't really know, though. Give me a picture of what that looks like. And so what we're trying to do is do a better job of helping all of us as a staff, as an elder team, deacon team, uh, leadership team, uh, look at where are we going and how are we gonna get there? Here's our, here's, our, here's our steps towards that. Here's what God said, this is what it looks like. Don't come up with something new, and that's where we're convicted. It doesn't need to be something new. It's just how are we gonna do that in our context, in our neighborhoods, amongst our schools and our coworkers, what does this look like? And so um, I, I give this illustration because we're gonna talk about two statements, the mission and vision. And I want you to understand why we have both because I think it could be confusing. And so let's say you came by my house and you found me in my garage and I'm, uh, I'm doing some woodworking. And you say, hey, David, what are you doing? And I, what if I responded simply, well, I'm, I'm doing some woodworking? You might say, well, I, I think that's why you have a palm sander out or why your miter saw or um, you're being very careful so you don't cut your finger again on that router if you know that story. You know, you might say that's kind of obvious that you're doing woodworking. What I mean is, is what are you building? Like, where are you going with that? I hope you have a plan, don't you? I'd probably tell you I'm building a coffee table. Either way, my actions, what I'm doing, that mission... Um, has to be tied to an end goal, or we got a problem. Now, I might miraculously build something. Uh, You should see me and my kids in the garage some days just coming up with things as we just hammer and nail and screw. And it's like, okay, oh, that's cool. That's a ship. Okay. Um, But really, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have an end goal in mind, um, where do you get? Um, And so it's kind of an exaggerated story, but hopefully it helps you see that there's that what are you doing, and then there's the where are you going, where are you trying to get to? And, uh, and we believe they're both essential, and we don't believe that the vision needs to be all that creative um, in that we, play, we think it's pretty clear in God's word, as we've just talked about. And so what we're doing this morning is laying out for you how we see the vision that God's given us in his word and how we see that play out. Um, we hope it's not fancy, confusing, or even really new, but maybe just a, a fresh look at some language that we've all used Um, for years to come here at Northwest, and maybe for a long time in your life you've heard of these words. But hopefully we put some some framework framework around it so that we can all um, have this uh, unified vision of where we're going and how we're going to get there. And so um, the vision statement that you're going to start to hear us talk about, that you're going to start to understand as we unpack it, and this year we've got three specific ways we're going to unpack it, but the vision statement is that we simply want to be a family of disciples making disciples. Plain and simple. It's up there. It's not long. It's not all that crazy. I mean, you think about, you think about uh, those uh, vision statements Matt read earlier. Just do it. Think different. It's like, oh, wow, ours should probably be shorter. So what's our vision? Making disciples. Uh, being disciples who are making disciples. Um, and and these, words, um, these words can have a lot of meanings. And depending on your context, you might think of those words as all different things. And so we, we need to flesh those out. And so we're going to start to do that. Today we're going to do that, but it's going to be an ongoing process as we help this church body come around what that vision is that God has given his vision through his word to his church, not to us uniquely. We all are on that same mission. We all have that same vision because that's what God has given us. So um, today we're going to kind of dive into that. Um, And we want you to understand that within this statement, we see three things. Um, The first is that when it says that we're a family, we see that statement kind of giving us an understanding of our culture. Um, We want to define our culture because culture is really important. Um, culture is something that um, a well-known business guy named Peter Drucker says that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And yeah, he's talking to businesses and saying, hey, you businesses, um, if, if you don't have a good culture, it doesn't matter what your strategy is because you've got infighting happening or silos or whatever's happening in your business. Well, you know, some of the same things happen in the church. If we don't have a good culture that's biblically grounded in the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and how that lives out, man, it doesn't matter what our vision is because we're not unified. We're not a family. And so we want to define our family and in, in, in what that looks like biblically. The second part is that we want to be disciples. That's our identity. That's our individual where you see yourself in this mission, in this vision, is, is the identity. And so each of us are going to be able to relate and say, oh, yeah, my identity as a disciple means this is what my life looks like. This is a reflection of me. And then the third part is making disciples, which we call our mandate. There's two parts to that, and we're going to get into that. Um, and that's where, that's, that's the kind of the what we're doing. That's where our mission statement comes into play. And so culture, identity, and mandate are three components within our vision, family of disciples, making disciples. And so today, we want to unpack that for you just a little bit. Again, some of you might say, man, I want to go deeper. I want to know all the things you've thought about. Bring me through your whole strategy, how you got there. Some of you are like, okay, that's enough. Got it good. Good for today. So we're going to give you hopefully a high level, maybe, maybe another level below of what this looks like. If we want to be a disciple-making church, if we want to be faithful to that vision that God has given us, where do we even start? And we believe that it it doesn't just start with making disciples being the the going part, but it also starts with understanding, are we being disciples? Are we ourselves with Christ, in Christ, being disciples who can then help others become disciples? And so this year we've chosen three key ideas, one for each of those areas, one for culture, one for identity, and one for mandate, that are going to be the things that we're going to focus on this year. And you're going to hear us talking about these, hopefully enough that you start to say, yeah, we got it, guys, we understand um, and that's probably just when it started to click, and so that's going to be great. And so um, there's going to be three key words, and we're going to each unpack one of them on a little bit uh, level of practically, what does that look like in our church family for that to be our culture? What does that look like for that to be my identity? And what does that look like for me to live out that mandate? And so that's where we're going to go next, and we're going to give you just kind of an overview of three key things within culture, identity, and mandate of where we're going this
0: year. Culture. We desire for the culture of Northwest to be summarized by a place of prayer. Not a place that prays, but a place of prayer. If you sit there and simply look at every great movement of God that's ever taken place, it was always preceded with prayer. A desperate calling on the God of the universe to do something radical. Let me just give you an example of this. We have the Great Awakenings in, listen, New England. We have uh, Jonathan Edwards, and we have all of that that took place. They started with little groups of people praying together, and massive, massive outpourings of God's Spirit took place in a great awakening that took place. We go over to California. So we have New England, and we have California, which says God is at work. We have California, and we have, we have J- uh, Jeremiah here in the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s. These two events were, is where the gospel went forward and people were awakened to who they could be and what God could do, and it was all preceded in small groups of prayer in both of those situations. We do believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that God has desired for us to understand what does it mean to be a people in a place of prayer. And, and, and that's what we want to focus on this year. We want to take a look at what that looks like. If you were to sit there and say, Matt, you you counsel people and you talk to people, yes, we do that as pastors. The three of us do that. One of the things that I can tell you that's never happened to me as a pastor in 20 years is someone has sat down, made an appointment, sat down with me and said, I need to tell you something. I have a confession to make. I just, I pray too much. Okay, I can honestly tell you that's never happened. Okay, I will also say that I have not had an encounter where someone came up to me and said, I don't pray at all. But most of the time, it's in that middle lane where it's like, man, it's just really inconsistent. And I think that that's where most of us individually find ourselves. And if we're honest as a church, that's where we find ourselves as well. It's in that middle lane. God, we desperately need you for this cancer diagnosis. We're asking you to heal us. Yes, and he does. And maybe we go back to business as usual. But what happens when we're in that middle lane, what happens individually and what happens as a church is what we demonstrate or what we communicate is that God, you're not God of everything. You're just God of these certain issues. Because verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 17 says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. The early church in Acts chapter, um, Acts chapter four, verse 31, they were said, you stop talking about Jesus. Well, they went back to the early uh, church. There was 120 of them in Acts chapter four. And he said, hey, they, they told us to stop talking about Jesus. And they said, let's pray about that. And let's ask God to give us boldness to carry on and do what God's called us to do. And so when you take a look at this, you take a look at this, we, we must recognize, we must recognize that in order to be a culture of prayer, we must see prayer as breathing, not for just medicine for an infection. You get that? We must see it as something that we just do naturally and without ceasing, and we do it all the time. It's a part of our life, it is a part of our culture. And when we are a part of that, and when we see that, I can't imagine what God can do and will do. I, I get excited about that. I, I, I have said several times from, from this stage that if we stop praying or not pray like we should, what we are saying to God is that I'm God. You can have part of my life, you can't have all of it. And just like when we went through the book Jonah, Jonah is complaining that he showed grace and mercy to the Ninevites, He's sulking under a tree. God provides mercy by giving him a little shade. He likes it. God takes it away. He doesn't like it. He looks at Jonah. He looks at us and he says, so how do you like my mercy? You like it, don't you? He looks at Jonah. I think he looks at us and he says, basically what I want you to do is there are no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. You should deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And then I added Get out of my seat. The reason that we can do that and not try to be God is when we come and understand that prayer is an absolute um, unending conversation with the God of creation, that we have the privilege to encounter him often and always. And so that's really what we want to do. How does that look for Northwest? How does that look for us this year in terms of where we are and how we're going to do this? We wanna to continue to intentionally bring prayer into our service, whether it's having somebody designated up here praying over us for a certain issue, one of our global staff members, maybe there's a hurricane or an earthquake, or maybe there's a big decision that we need to make. We wanna bring that up here often. We wanna have small group of breakout times in our, in our services. We, we know that maybe that, that may make you feel uncomfortable. We pray that you would get comfortable with that. We would all get comfortable with that. Um, we want to continue to lift up the name of Jesus for our service every Sunday morning at 9.30 to 9.45. Maybe you're not aware of that, but every Sunday in the library from 9.30 to 9.45, we meet in the library and we just, we pray. We call on God for this service and our, our kids in the back, uh, the speaker for the day, the worship team, and, and us as family. We call on that. Um, We're going to have the first Monday of the month is our prayer time. It's going to move to 6 p.m. That is the first Monday of every month. Last week was Labor Day, so we moved that prayer time to tomorrow. That is so awesome, isn't it? Tomorrow (laughs) at 6 p.m. in the church office. We'd love for you to join us. And we want to look at our life groups. We've been working with our life group leaders on how they can incorporate this discipline of prayer. We want to work with our students and our kids and their leaders about how they can how they can take prayer to a deeper level in their small groups. In January, for the second year in a row, we want to have a, uh, uh, we're going to do a a full month service, a theme-driven service on prayer and what it means to be a people and and developing a culture of prayer in our church. And and listen, we want to pray before we even lift a hand on that land for the God of creation to, to show us and demonstrate how we can use that because that land is simply a tool. It is not the end goal. It is a tool and it is a resource. We can be disciples who are making disciples with that land just as it is right now. But we want to seek the Lord. We want to pray on the land. David said at the service a couple weeks ago at the at the park, we want to gather on the land and we want to pray that land and we want to thank you God for your guidance, thank you for your generosity but we ask you to define for us how we can use that tool for your glory and so I would pray for us today that Northwest Community Church would be described simply not just to someone that is friendly but that our church would 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 be described as man? Those people really really pray. They really encounter the movement of God. And that's who we want to be. We want to be a people of prayer.
1: All right. So, being a um, a people of prayer, this idea for our uh, culture is really closely tied to our identity. The next piece of this, um, and that is, you know. As David said, being a disciple is not just like a one and done, but it's something that you're continually working on. God's continually refining you. You're going through a process your whole life of just growing and your knowledge of him and, and learning how to live out how he's called you to live. And, and all of that really comes from God's word. And so we want to have our second focus really be just rooted in God's word. So we're going to call that grow. That's focus number two. So our identity is going to be one of being a people that is growing continually, by diving deep into God's word. There's a lot of places in scripture, if you know scripture, where it talks about the importance of being in God's word. It tells you why we should be um, hiding his words in our hearts and our minds and pursuing him through his word daily. It tells us all over the the Bible. Uh, But one key verse is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where it says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So every single word is breathed out. It is inspired by God through the, the writers. Um, so what everything that was penned came from, from the mind of God. And so it's breathed out by him. And here's what it's profitable for. It can, it can teach us. Uh, it can show us our faults. It can show us how to correct those faults. Um, it can encourage us. It can um, bring us out of some some deep dark places. I mean, it can do so many things for us. And uh, the added benefit is that if we remain in God's word, then we're ready for whatever life throws at us. That's what it says right there at the end. So that you'll be complete, equipped for every good work. So no matter what you go through in this life, if you are in God's word, then you will be well equipped to to walk through that. Uh, it's not going to be. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy sometimes, but it means that you're going to be able to do it a lot better if you're rooted in scripture and you know God's word. Um, and so you're ready for whatever life throws at you. Another, another passage that comes to mind that you guys might know, Psalm 119, 105 it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And what that's saying is, um, I don't know if you guys know the context of that, but there was a little light that they would put on their shoe at night and they would walk. And so literally every step they took, they would just see the next step, and the next step, and the next step. It wasn't a looking, you know, way down a mile down the road. It was, what is my next step? And so every step that we take in our lives should be influenced by God's word. That's what that's saying. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. So I want to, every step I take, I want it to be rooted in scripture. I want it to be what you tell me to do. I want it to be how you want me to live, and how you want me to talk to that person, and interact with that person, and love that person." So here's how that plays out. It's, uh, it's kind of what we've already been doing in a way. This is just kind of letting you know that we've been doing it and we're gonna try to go a little bit deeper in, in what we've been doing. So on Sunday mornings, our messages are rooted in God's word. We, uh, we really do try to just preach God's word um, and, and we wanna make sure we're doing that. Even our worship songs that we plan. Um, To let you guys know this, those are planned with scripture in mind and with the message in mind, and we want it to be rooted in in scripture, the the songs that we sing. We want it to be true and theologically sound, and we're going to be reading scripture from the stage a lot more. You've probably noticed that over the last few weeks that we've been incorporating scripture reading into our Sunday morning services, and so God's word on Sunday mornings is going to just be so um, evident how we plan our service, how we, how we uh, strategically do those things. And then next week, you've been reminded of this a few times now, but you were given those Colossians books. Um, that's a great resource for us as a church to, be, to really be going the extra mile during the week and trying to get into God's word personally. So you're going to have a, a journal with a reading plan and questions to go through. And so you can, in your own time, be... kind of coming off of what we talk about or leading into what we talk about, just continually being in God's word and and being reminded of what it says, especially in Colossians over the next few months. Um, And then in our kids' and students' ministries, we, we want our kids and our students to have a deep understanding of God's word. And that begins with the physical copy. We want our kids to know the layout of the Bible. How many books are in the Bible? What's the difference in the Old and New Testament? Where are the books of the Bible? Um, things like that. And then as they, as they grow older with our students, it's, you know, where are the, the different themes found, the, the characters, the stories, the things that, when I'm going through something, I know where to turn because I know God's word so well. So we want them to have just a deep understanding of God's word physically, but also just the content and what's in there um, so that they can use it in their lives as they live. Um, The hope is for you parents that have kids and students that as we're pursuing this on Sunday mornings in the life group setting that I'll speak to in just a minute, that this is carrying over into your home, and as you guys are growing in your love for and understanding of God's word, then you're able to bring your students and your kids into that and you're teaching them the importance of it as well because we say it all the time, but we're secondary compared to what you're doing in your home. You are the primary disciplers. So as you're taking what you're hopefully growing in the love of God's word and taking that into your home, we wanna continue to partner with you in that. We want our, our kids to know how to handle scripture. So the songs that they sing, the curriculum that they have, they're memorizing verses, it's, it's all based around scripture. And every every part of, uh, of the Bible that they're taught, all taught eyes back. To Jesus. So the gospel project, which is the curriculum, is really cool because no matter where you are in God's Word, Old Testament, New Testament, it always ties back to Jesus. So it's teaching them that the overall book is all about Christ and the gospel. And so they're learning that. Um, in student ministries, we want our leadership team to be well equipped to handle God's word as well. We had a great meeting Friday night, kind of kicking off the year with them and just talking about this and talking about how we need to ourselves be in God's Word so we can really effectively lead lead the students. Uh, In the small group times, Um, when I teach on uh, on Sunday evenings when uh, some of our other teachers that have taught teach, it is God's word and our students will tell you that we really just try to teach God's word and we want them to understand that. So it's gonna play out in their small groups, it's gonna play out in how we teach, Um, but it all can't happen on Sundays, right? It can't just be Sunday mornings, Sunday nights with the students. Um, So it has to be throughout the week as well, which is where our life groups are so, so important. And uh, our life groups are really intended to be a place where you begin to apply God's word uh, with your families and in and, and that, that life group setting. And so the life group leaders um, are going to be leading discussions that are, again, scripturally sound and rooted in God's word and just taking us right deep down into the heart of what God has for us that week or coming off of Sunday or whatever it is. So they're gonna facilitate those times of learning and it's gonna be Bible-based. So hopefully you guys hear, as I'm talking about all these ministry areas, that we love God's word and we want our, our church body to love God's word and we just wanna be growing over the next year. And so specifically in that identity piece as disciples, um, the focus is going to be diving into God's word, uh, growing in our knowledge, love for, and understanding of his word. And um, over to David for the third piece.
2: As I think about how that plays out, you know, think about us becoming a church that's truly known as a praying church. And if we're people who are known, man, when I talk to Adam, he's always talking about what God's teaching him in his word. I can't help but think about how that's going to affect this third aspect, if that's, if that's what is our culture, if that's what our identity is. Um, this third piece is just kind of the natural outflow. The natural outflow is that we're making disciples, which is both the, the sharing and the proclamation side of the gospel, but it's also the equipping and the coming alongside of one another and seeing each other growing in Christ. It, it goes both ways. That, that's kind of a cycle, honestly. And so this year we've said, um, we want to emphasize that sharing aspect um, because the equipping side is already kind of happening anyways in those things, and so we're going to get to that because this is a this is a vision, not just a one-year thing. This is man, how does this play out in our entire lifetime? Um, but when we think about the sharing side, the mandate, the sharing being the going, and as you're going, how are you engaging people in the gospel, um, and and how is your life of prayer and your life in the Word? Um, equipping you for those encounters and for how you're sharing uh, the truth of God's word through your story and through those difficult conversations you're having or whatever it is, um, we really want to be a church that, that's always talking about that. Number one, that we're, we're equipping one another for that. We're, 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 be, we're prepared for that because we know how to share our stories. We know how to share God's story through his word. Uh, we know how to answer tough questions, not with answers, but with, hey, here's what God's word says about that. Let's let's dive into it together. Um, Uh, One of the things that we think of in Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, how are they to call on one who they have not believed in, and how are they to believe in one they have not heard of? How are they to hear without someone preaching them? How are they to preach unless they are sent? And this idea of us being sent, and we're we're being sent to proclaim. We're being sent to proclaim so that others might believe. Um, Going and sharing isn't just, hey, come to church with me. Uh, Yeah, that's part of it, Uh, but it's also engaging in those conversations when you're sitting in the cubicle, or when you're out to dinner, or whatever it is, at a grill out in the community, or coaching a soccer team, or whatever it is, how are you bringing the gospel and bringing God's word into those interactions in natural, normal ways? And we want that to be, be who we are, that in the places where we live, and work, and play, and the places that we go to on a daily basis, that we see how the gospel, see how the good news of Jesus Christ plays into those relationships and is, is the answer to so many things. And so um, we want to be a church that that's what we're about, that we're known for that. Um, and so um, we're going to be talking about that. Some of that looks like celebrating more stories. Being, if there's a story, we don't wait till the annual Church of the Park to celebrate it. Let's get up next Sunday. Let's celebrate that story. If you have a story of, man, I shared the gospel this week. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't believe yet. They don't, they don't understand what I said, but, but I did it. I had that conversation. Will you pray with me? So let's, let's bring that up in the times that we pray as a life group or even on a Sunday morning. or Maybe on a Sunday morning from this stage, we're going to share some of those stories of places and ways that we as a church family are engaged on mission. We don't need to, it doesn't have to always be a certain mark of success. God's going to use each of you in unique ways, and we want to celebrate those things. So that's part of what it looks like. It looks, it it plays out in our prayer times, it plays out in our life groups, it plays out with our kids. Um, As our kids start to see mom and dad, and the adults around them, seeing, have have a passion for how God's word changes lives, um, Kids will talk about it. Our students will see that and that will, that will play out in their lives. We'll celebrate these things in student ministries and in Northwest Kids as it's appropriate. We're also talking about do we host a workshop or infuse it into our life groups or other rhythms to, to talk about how do you share your story? How do you share your story in a way that it connects to God's story? How do you respond to that really tough question that comes up in culture right now that none of us were prepared to answer because that's just foreign to us? How do you answer that question? How do you talk about tough things Not in a belligerent and and hurtful way, but in a loving and kind and engaging way, pointing them to the truth in God's word and why that matters. We want to talk about those things. The context for that may change. We're going to look at ways to do that. Um, But that's important to us this year, that we're each equipped to be on mission, living out that mandate of making disciples. We're excited about what this looks like. Um, There's certain parts of this where some of this is not a complete change, but some of this is new language around things that have always been a priority. Some of it is things that maybe have been a little bit lower priority than they should have been, and so we're trying to elevate those things. And so these three areas of pray, grow, and share are going to be a big part of this next year and our life into the future as a church. And so um, we hope you're excited with us because um, we're looking forward to, to where this takes us. i let Matt speak to a couple more things as we close out.
0: Finally, I just want you guys to hear very clearly, we love you guys. We, we love you. Um, we love serving as pastors of this great church. And it's an honor and a privilege that the God of the universe and creation would um, bring us to this place. To where we could sit in front of you and do life with you together. Um, uh, I, I would say that I also want to say not only do we uh, love, uh, love you guys and love being pastors here and love serving here. We just want to thank you for your encouragement, your generosity, and your support. Um, this last year has blown me away by your generosity and your act of worship, Jeez, just even in the financial picture. It has just blown me away. And, uh, and, and finally, I, I hope you know that we come here humbly today, not simply with all of the answers, but we are absolutely convinced, absolutely convinced, and I hope you hear that clearly, that making disciples who make disciples is God's mission for Northwest Community Church, period. I hope you hear that. And I hope that you will rest in the fact that there's a God in heaven who says, hey, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'm not gonna leave you. He's with us. It's a, one of the greatest partnerships in all of the Bible and one of the greatest greatest uh, things that he could say to us, one of the greatest promises. So action steps. What do we leave here today with? What are our action steps? We're going to sing a song in just a minute, but there's three. Number one, prayer night is tomorrow night. Not sure if you've heard that yet, (laughs) but I want to make sure that you know that prayer night is tomorrow night at six o'clock at the church office. Let's gather together. Let's lift up his name, hallow his name, and seek him, call on him to do what only he can do. And and, and number two, um, there are life group leaders that are going to be in the back. We have a list right here that you can pick up of all of the open life groups. Really what I want you to do is I want you to sign up for a life group today. That is going to be a pivotal part in your growth as a disciple who makes disciples. Signing up to be in a life group is essential for what we're talking about today. And if you're not in one, I would love for you to go out, talk to some folks that are in the back. There are different groups that are open. Look at the time, look at the date. Sacrifice, go there, be there. You will not be disappointed. We'd love for you to do that. And finally... The book of Colossians. We simply want to read the book of Colossians with one main question. We have three questions. We want you to read it with. We want you to read the book of Colossians with really the main question: is what does what do these verses teach me about God? We desire for for us as a team and as a church and as a family to have a posture that is God first, and not coming to the text with us and me. We mess that up really bad, don't we? We come to the text and asking, what does this teach me about the God of creation? What am I going to do about just that and what I've learned? We've got a reading plan for you. We want you to read the, we want you to read the entire book once a week. We want you to read each verse that we'll be preaching on the following Sunday. We want you to read that every day, read the entire book every week. And then we've given you some other things in this uh, reading plan of how you can learn this book and study this book and do this with us. Let this book of Colossians help us to approach and let it birth in us an insatiable appetite for the God who the scriptures proclaim and talk about. Amen? We love you guys. What I want us to do right now is I just want to give us a picture. I just want to give us a picture. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going to sing. But I just want to give us a picture. And this picture is found in Revelation chapter 21. So I want you to know, does does it make a difference? If if we're gonna be focused this year on prayer and growing and sharing, we're gonna be disciples who are making disciples. Is 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 it gonna make a difference? I wanna give you a picture and I want you to just see this right now. I'm gonna read Revelation 21. Here's what John says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God. He will be my son. Let's pray, let's worship, let's sing. Let's be disciples who make disciples for the glory of God and our good. Let me pray for us. God, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Lord, we want to see some things now. We recognize that all things are going to be made new. There's not going to be any water that's going to cause division, no tears, no death, no dying, no sickness. But in the meantime, right now, I'm asking you in Jesus' name to define for us as Northwest Community Church who you want us to be first and then what you want us to do. Help us to be disciples, help us to make disciples. Help us to dedicate ourselves this year to being a people in a place of prayer, a people in a place that are growing and are understanding of you through your word. And help us with great urgency to tell others who don't know you how good you are. We love you. Use this song to captivate our hearts. We give it to you as an act of worship. And it's in your name that I pray.